Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Young Rex, man, and you tuned in to another episode of Rexy T's True Crime Stories. This got to be like episode 36 and 37, but this is the Jolie Musa story, man. She was like a, what, 16-year-old girl out of uh, Virginia? It was somewhere in Virginia. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but I mean, she was, she was one of them ones that was just super smart. I already knew what she wanted to do with her life. Uh, she wanted to go to NYU to uh, be a art, a book writer, publisher, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she had the twin sister too. Uh, I think her name, if uh, jo- it was, it was Jolie and Jolie or something like that. I don't know. You know how they be making the names and stuff mixed, match and stuff. But uh, they stayed with their daddy. They stayed in Virginia with their daddy. Their mama stayed in Texas. Shout out to Texas. But anyway. Uh, they went to Mount Vernon High School, and I mean, when she was a freshman, that's when it started. You know how it be, freshman in school, freshman, you open, you, your eyes open to a whole new world. You fresh in high school, everything. You start seeing different stuff you ain't never seen before, all kind of stuff. But I mean, she met a, she, well, I ain't gonna say she met, she used to always see this guy, and I'm probably gonna mess his name up, but it don't matter anyway. Nabri, I sound like a Nigerian name. Uh, Musa, that sound like Nigerian. Uh, if it ain't, I apologize, but that's what it sound like. That's kind of what it look like when I see their pictures and their images. But it seemed like they uh, Nigerian or whatever. It, it wasn't really stated where they was born, born, but like her mom and dad. But anywho, back to the story. She met a, a dude named Nabri. And uh, it was freshman year. Like, I mean, he played ball. She said she used to always notice, like, he'd be looking at her and, like, you know, watching her. And she didn't find it weird, though, because she kind of thought uh, Homie was cute, too. So, you know what I mean? They flirted back and forth, shit like that. She what? He shot his shot. I mean, like, from that point on, like, they was together. Like, you know what I mean? He went over there, hollered. Everything was Gucci. They linked up. They hit it off right off the money. On top of that, he was already like respectful, like like he was he was smart too, of course. Played ball, smart, straight A's, was respectful. So you know that right there, one the parents, they agreed that they could talk and everything because they you know. However, go. <sighs> Let's fast forward, January twelfth, two thousand eighteen, right? Her father was going out of town. You remember I said she stayed with her father. Her mother stayed in Texas. So normally, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this was something that he did, like, on the regular. I'm not sure if that was something he did, like, on the regular. But it was, uh, they already knew what was up, if that makes sense. Like, when he went out of town, they knew either go to a friend house or, you know, go to an uncle house. Something like that. And so, like, they, even though they was twins and they did everything together, the sisters and all that, they all had their own friends. You know how it go. So, I mean, with them having their own friends, uh, Jolie was going to go over here to this friend and Janae was going to go over to that friend. And, you know, from there, they was just going to spend that weekend with their friends while their dad was out of town or whatever. It sounded like it was something that they normally do. Like, it was, I would say, like, kind of routine once, twice a month that he would have to go out of town or so. So you can kind of tell that it was routine. Uh, that night uh, that they was getting ready to go to the uh, to each other friend house, like, go their separate ways, 
she had, uh, Jolie got a, a Snapchat notification. And from that Snapchat notification, she um, told her sister, like, I'll be right back. Because they was in there, like, you know, packing their clothes up, getting their stuff ready. And um, she was telling her, I'll be back real quick, you know. And uh, from there, she walked out, got in the car, and nobody ever heard from her again, right? Her sister didn't think nothing of it, really. She was just kind of like, I mean, that's weird, but she probably just went on, went to a, her friend's house or whatever the situation was. Then she got a text message that was saying she about to go to a, what is it called? North Fort, Virginia. And it was like three to four hours away uh, from where they stayed. And her sister was kind of like, wait, what? That's weird. You going like way out of town. Like, you know what I mean? It was at a university. So it wasn't like she just going to a random house party three, four hours out of town. It was like another college town, I guess. So her sister hit her back was like, what you got going? Like, you know what I mean? What's happening? She never heard from him. She really, the sister really wasn't weird until the friend who housed that Jolie was supposed to be over called her and was like, is she coming still? Like, I ain't heard from her. She ain't answering the phone. So now everybody's trying to call her, right? She ain't answering. So now the twin sister, Jalei, she's like freaking out now. And normally, that's why I said you can tell that this was something that happened like once or twice a month with the dad going out of town because they had an uncle there. That was the next closest thing to the adult for them. So they already knew if anything hits the fan, if anything happened, call uncle. Uncle comes over once he gets the call. They check the camera. The house had cameras. They see uh, Jolie go out, get in the car. You know, of course, you can't see who in the car. Can't make out what's what. But you see her leave out the house, get in the car, gone, right? Day pass, you know, the uncle done called, the mama, the daddy, like, say, y'all got to get down here. We need to file a missing person report. Like, I mean, she ain't answering. She ain't doing none of that. Like, she ain't called, text, nothing. And she already know we don't move like that. You already know how it go. They go try to do the missing person report. Police, first of all, don't engage in it. I'm going to stop right there and tell y'all this. I feel like if anybody is considered, if any parent come and consider their child a missing person, I feel like that should be taken serious all the way through. At least till you like 18. At least, I feel like 18 years old, then that's when they like, oh, well, if he come back in a day or whatever, because he's grown and da 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 But I feel like this little girl was 16 years old, right? Camera see her get in the car and never come back. So the least you can do is go and investigate that much. Of course, police throw them on the back burner. Uh, you know, they weren't applying pressure. The parents like kept, you get, like, I don't know. It was like week, a week and a half went by and like nothing, like nobody's doing nothing. Like the police, the family is just broken, right? January 14th or 15th, that's when the police announced that they found a body in Woodlaw Park, a mile away from where Jolie and her twin sister stayed with, her, with their daddy. And check this out. A 13-year-old boy, I'm not going to say his name, but, you know, you can go look into this case and go, you know, figure it out from there. But a 13-year-old boy came forth and was like, I was at the park playing ball on January 12th and a guy came up and asked me to use my phone. I'm like, okay, here, he make a phone call. He gone. 
I kept on playing ball, kept doing my thing. Police was like, we got to find this guy, right? So I don't know if the 13-year-old boy had been reached out to them or if, I don't know if the little boy had been reached out or if, uh, like, they just, it, it, you know, once it hit the news and it got to the, you know, they found the body, then that's what made him come out. Like, he probably told his mama, hey, I was there. That's That dude asked me to use my phone. That's how, you know, whatever the situation was. But police get to the little boy and they ask him, let me see the phone. Go through the phone. They see that on January 12th, he made a call to Jolie. It said, meet him at the park or come to the park. He said, you know, he just, uh, he described him as an African-American African American male, about six feet tall. You know what I mean? So I guess they come back and show him a picture and ask them, is this the person that used your phone? He said, yeah. He said, yeah. And what the person that he confirmed was her boyfriend, the brew, the brief. He confirmed that it was Nabri came to ask to use his phone. Now, you can kind of look at the two ways. You can be like, oh, okay, well, why would he do that? He already knew what he was going to do, just premeditated. That's why he didn't want it to track back to him. But the police found out, like, they had an off and on again relationship, like one of those toxic relationships. It went from loving to toxic quick. Uh, at one point in time, he, he had choked her and like started abusing her and one thing that I do say she did do is she notified her parents she notified her sister let them know her parents took full action said we ain't having it it ain't going down like that they pressed charges and because of this he got kicked off the basketball team he had to go to alternative school and he had a restraining order against I mean, to stay away from Jolene. And out of all those three things that I just named, the basketball one is the one that hit him the hardest. Uh, he dreamed to be a professional basketball player. That's all he did all his life is play basketball. Now he's at that stage where he's a freshman and now people about to start looking. And now he just lost all that. Because the school was like, we're not. Once those charges came out, assault and abuse and uh, strangulation charges and stuff, the school was like, no, sir, that's too serious. That's, that's make us look bad. Plus, we don't even want you here no more. You got to go to alternative school. And not only do we got to go to alternative school, the reason why he got to go to the alternative school, he can't even reach out to this person to talk to this person or he's going to go back to jail or something like that, right? So that's, to me, why he used the little boy phone at the thing. Because it was like, once that happened, he couldn't. He blew her up. It's kind of like he stalked her. He kept calling her, kept finding ways to get in touch with her. So I'm guessing Snapchat was the one that she responded to. So he admitted that they was talking all that day. That she died. And also, he uh, he said, when he asked her to come to the park, she said, yeah. So that kind of explains like why she didn't tell her sister what she was doing. That kind of explained why she never made note like to anybody what she was doing because you gotta think about it you told me we pressed charges on him he got a restraining order but you know how that go that make up break up that's why i say it's toxic if she started back responding to him then that means you know she still had some kind of feelings for him so she knew that if she told somebody that she was going to meet up with him 
that they would have tried to talk out of it or they would have, you know what I mean, pushed the issue. So I feel like with her feelings and how she felt bad that he had to leave the basketball team and go to a tournament school and, you know, now all this stuff is going down the list. I felt like she did feel bad. I felt like, you know what I mean, deep inside she really did love him or do love him or whatever. And she was just willing to, I don't know, I guess talk or hear him out one last time or whatever the situation was. He confirmed that they got to the park, they was walking and talking, everything was cool. She started walking a little ahead of him. It's either she started walking ahead or he started slowing down. Uh, from that point, he got into a MMA stance. Uh, MMA is martial mixed martial arts. So that's boxing, kung fu, karate, like all this uh, in one. And it says he got into like a MMA stance and started strangling her from behind. Now, once she passed out, not that wasn't like the end of it. He got on top of her and started strangling her again. Dragged her body off into the woods and covered it with leaves and debris. He admitted a couple of days later, he went back to try to dig a ditch with a knife. That didn't work. So, you know, he ran off and so on, so on. Uh, I kind of had to take a breath right there. Like, that was different. Um, I did. <laughs> June 12th. Was it, was it June 12th? Yeah, June 12th. Because uh, I think what? That happened in August. You got to think about it. This took place January 12th through 13th, 2018. All of, a couple of months later, August 31st, 2018, that's when he becomes, uh, he goes from person of interest to, you know, suspect. June 12th, 2019 is when he was charged with first degree murder and sentenced to 99 years without, you know, parole or nothing. Um, it's kind of hard with these kind of cases because, like, I, I wanted to bring light to this kind of case due to the simple fact that you do have certain people that do what they supposed to do. You have certain people that when it's domestic violence in their relationship, they take the necessary actions to protect themselves. And you got to understand when it's dealing with a relationship, you have domestic violence, like it's it's up and down. You can have a whole restraining order on that person and then the very next day, you over there picking him up at the store, picking him up at his house. He's coming to your house. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those situations where I was just mad for the time being. I don't know, but you can tell that she still has some kind of feelings for him or she wouldn't have left and met him at that park or she would at least if she feared for her life she would at least let her sister or somebody know that that's what was that's what she was gonna be just to be on the safe side so people could know just in case i feel like with him study reaching out to her and wanting to talk to her i felt like she was like man i do feel bad you don't get to play basketball no more I mean, I didn't think my parents was going to blow it up like that. And whatever the situation was, you know, they probably talked about whatever. You never know. But 
at some point in his mind, I think he knew that it was pretty much over. Like, no matter what, maybe she said something to the extent, like, I always love you, but I think we need to be friends or something like that. Something that she said triggered him to strangle her from the back and then get on top of her and strangle her again. Like, I don't, I just wish police in any city, any state, anywhere in the United States, I think missing persons should be taken way more seriously. I feel like when somebody says something about their child that's 18 or younger goes missing, I feel that they should be able to, they should jump right on that like it's a, like it's a, I don't know, something happening at the school. Cause think about it. If you at school and something happened, that's like you're their number one priority. We gotta get these kids safe. We gotta get these kids moved to an area. We gotta get these kids where they cool. But when you file a missing person on the on the same kid that was like at that school, it's like, oh, we gotta wait because he probably ran away or because he coming back. You know, a lot of kids do that. I don't know. I think we should just find better ways and different ways to handle that situation. That and stalking. Those are two that two of the ones that really like get to me because stalking charges is like oh you need to document everything you write down when he call you record the voicemails or save the phone records uh basically he has to be in your face about to kill you before we can do something and then missing person oh they just rebellious at this age they just run away because they want to be free and they'll be back once they run out of money and da 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 like, I feel like we should take these two into consideration a lot more. They will hang you for killing a dog before they'll go and find somebody missing because you say they missing. And it's like, it's not that they don't want to do their job. It's just like once you see something so many times, you it downplays it. It downplays it. So, like, once you jump in full swing, and you go and you investigate this 15-year-old girl missing and then it turns out she just wanted to go to a party and she came back the next day. Then you go and investigate this 13-year-old boy missing, but he fell asleep and, you know, he, I don't know, whatever, he came back. So once you keep getting cases like this, it's like, oh, we need to not put so much in this and do it like this. But what about that case about the 16-year-old girl that's missing and she's really missing? She's really been snatched. She's really been kidnapped. Like, what about these kind of cases? Like, that's why I feel like every every case that comes through should be hit 100%. I mean, this is what you get paid to do. It's okay if you hit a dead end. I would rather you hit a dead end and say we hit a dead end than just to blow me off. Because me as parents and something like that happened with my kids, I will feel like y'all not doing what y'all supposed to do for one, because it's my kid. And two, it's just the way the demeanor is about it. Every case I done covered on here with somebody missing or somebody gone or whatever, it's always the police be the first person to just blow them out. I don't know if it's because they black, because they Caucasian, because they Mexican. I don't know what the right, what the situation is. But every case I done covered on here, when it comes to the police and the police have to step in when somebody does what they're supposed to do and contact the police or go to the police or, you know, tell the police anything, they never hold up the end of the bargain. 
every single case on here find me a case out of all 36 of these episodes like i listed on here and tell me where the police sprang in action as soon as something went down and they saved the day you can't because they so used to so they just blow you off and to you it feel like they're not doing anything but to them it's kind of like we we see this every day so it'll be okay but it's not even 100 percent on the police um it's kind of just like one of those situations where you can't do anything with somebody that loves somebody. Because if she would have respected that order, and if he would have respected that order, she'll probably be still here right now. Even if he sweet talked to her to come see him, she should have. I don't know. You can't even say what she should have did. Because, I mean, everybody that been in that situation with that significant other, baby mama, baby daddy. Fight, go back, fight, go back, fight, go back. So, you know what I mean? You can't really just say what the stand is. I just wanted to bring light to this story because this was another young lady that did what she was supposed to do. She notified the authorities and she notified her parents and they pushed forward. And you got to give them their respect to just as much as I badmouth them about not springing in the action. You have to give them their flowers too when the parents pushed. He did get charged with assault and strangulation, and he did get a restraining order. It's not their fault that them two didn't respect the restraining order, and that's how we got to this. But at the same time, it's like if you know that it's a whole restraining order out, and then right after that, this person goes missing. <laughs> Come on, this is what you do every day. This is your job. You should put two and two together. It's different if. I just call and say, hey, my son didn't come back in last night. I'm nervous. Versus you already got in the system that it was a domestic violence case and he was already charged and now he got this restraining order and the restraining order fresh. So if she just comes up missing, you do this every day. You know what's up. That's all I was thinking. But to each his own, man, I just wanted to give y'all another one. Rexy T's True Crown Stories, uh, the Jolie Musa story my condolences goes out to her family her twin sister just everybody that is affected in this case just man i don't even really know like at this point it seems that it's becoming common and more common and more common that situations like this is happening maybe we need to switch up how we do stuff maybe we need to switch up the law a little bit but the only way we can do that is it starts with you. People in your city, in your town, in your state, y'all have to come together and put that together. If one family screaming justice because the police didn't do this, you need to get with those other families that's in the same boat as you and do something. Make a movement. Make, a, make some noise. It's okay to shake a little tree sometimes. You just know, gotta know how to shake them and how to move around. Like, get you a couple of people that been through the same thing where they felt police didn't jump into justice as fast or they had a stalking case and the police didn't do nothing, a missing person case and the police didn't do nothing. And if they would have did something like they were supposed to, this person would have still been alive. Get you a couple of them people and y'all get together and ruffle up some trees and I guarantee you'll get some responses quickly. But again, my condolences goes out as always to the victim and his family um y'all continue to watch subscribe over to my youtube channel 
I'm gonna start back dropping videos over there. Rexy D, come out, man.